In this show of The Evolving Leader, our guest is a distinctive artist whose work you've likely seen either online or on some glossy magazine. Featuring celebrities like Taylor Swift, Sting, Kelly Clarkson, Britney Spears, Gwyneth Paltrow, the Kardashians and Garth Brooks. So what can a photographic artist tell us about leadership? Having been nominated the most influential photographer on the internet, Jeremy Cowart exudes an authenticity and instinctive approach to his work. We cover topics of creatives being idea leaders, how to build a creative career, the power of purpose, and adapting to market change. Welcome to The Evolving Leader. How are you feeling today, John? I am feeling incredibly excited at meeting Jeremy. He uh, he, he looks like a, an amazing character. So um, yeah, really, really excited. Yeah, I'm feeling a number of things myself. Um, today, all really positive and excited is definitely one of those. Um, I think the most dominant feeling to me right now is uh, a feeling of confidence that we are about to have a really inspiring show. Because as you mentioned, Jeremy Cowart is with us, who was named the most influential photographer on the internet by Huffington Post, Forbes, and Yahoo in 2014. He is an award-winning photographer, artist, entrepreneur, whose mission in life is to explore the intersection of creativity and empathy. Jeremy has published four books and is a sought-after speaker, having presented at TEDx, the United Nations, and creative conferences across the country. His latest endeavor is The Purpose Hotel, a planned global for-profit hotel chain designed to fuel the work of not-for-profit organizations. He's the founder of a global photography movement called Help Portrait, a mobile social networking app, and has an online teaching platform. And knowing Jeremy, he's probably launched one or two more new projects just in the time I've been introducing him. He lives here in the Nashville area with his amazing wife and four wonderful children. Jeremy, welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. It's good to be here. Appreciate you all having me on. Like we said, we're so excited you're here. Um, John and I care deeply about societal issues and believe that leaders from all spheres share in a common responsibility to think about, collaborate on, and influence positive change in the world. And it seems that is precisely what you've been doing with your entire career. Can you tell us a little bit about your story, how you got into photography, rose to prominence in that space, and how, um, how that led to writing books, teaching, and other pursuits. And I know I saw, by the way, uh, a tweet earlier this week where I think you listed out some of the most interesting job uh, history of anyone I've ever seen. So maybe you could talk a little bit about some of your most unusual jobs as well. Well, all of that uh, could be labeled professionally ADD because uh, <laughs> that, that is what I do for a living. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I grew up uh, here in Nashville. I'm a Nashville native and grew up in the arts. My dad was in the music scene and so we grew up as like a very musical family singing in church together that whole thing and I knew I would always knew I'd be in the arts of some sort thought it was music for a long time but then I'm thinking somewhere along the way in junior high and high school I was introduced to fine art and fell in love with painting and drawing and um and then in college, studied design, actually graphic design. Took one photography class in college and made a D, so nearly failed photography. Um, and it, so it really wasn't until years later that I discovered photography because um, I spent the first several years as a graphic designer for ad agencies, and then I started my own little design agency, and it was in that journey that I needed a camera to start, like, scanning textures in the world around me and then I 
it's like, oh, I really love shooting. And then I started photographing my friends and they would get signed to labels and labels would hire me to do shoots. And so it was all a very organic um, kind of accidental process. Everything really has been accidental. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's been a, been a wild ride. And then, uh, a few years after that, an agent in Hollywood discovered me, um, and we signed a deal and next thing I know I was shooting, you know, the biggest celebrities and movie sets and TV sets in Hollywood. And so, yeah, it was, um, it was all very accidental for sure. Is that what led to, uh, you being named the most influential photographer <laughs> on the internet? How did, how did that come about? Oh gosh, and I'll cringe when I hear that because it's just not true anymore. But there for a moment, um, so there was an agency that that had done thirty in-depth um, studies on uh, influence, and they had uh, researched yeah like thirty different industries. And when it came time for the photo industry, they looked at the time. Gosh, it was across you know Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest. I forget what else, and. Um, they said I wasn't number one on any platform, but when they averaged them all together, I was getting the most engagement of anybody. And so um, it was awesome because it was just a cool thing to put on the resume and got people's attention. Yeah. And But I think the actual moment of most influence was short-lived, you know, because uh, that was still before a lot of, you know, some of the world's biggest photographers were even on social media. And so mm. it was, I had my brief moment, moment of glory. <laughs> but like many, I've had a, I've always had a love hate relationship with social media and I haven't used it nearly as much since then. I still use it, but not like I used to. How has photojournalism changed over the last 20 years in the shift to social media? So you're saying you're not using it as much. I'd like to hear more about that and, and kind of what you've been observing has been changing and where you think it's going? Well, the word photojournalism is actually a whole different, um, it's like a subgenre of photography. F photojournalism is definitely not what I do. I have done it mm -hmm. on a few trips, but um, I would just say I'm a portrait photographer. But I mean, photo photography in general, the industry is, um, a, lot, a lot of people would say it's been wrecked and devastated by all things technology and social media, but I always, um, I guess, just laugh when people say because with every change, there's all kinds of brand new opportunity. Um, you just have to figure out how to pivot uh, and move with it instead of just whining and complaining. And so, yeah, there's definitely been a lot of things that have changed, but, um, you know, it is what it is. You just keep figuring it out. So I'm, I'm supremely interested in the creative arts, always have been. And we've spoken to many business leaders, people from tech, neuroscientists, psychologists on the podcast, all of whom have shared some very interesting and important insights from a leadership perspective from their disciplines. How do you think the, the creative artist plays a role in shaping ideas around leadership? What are you, what are you leading in the world? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I think creative artists are, are um, essentially the, the idea leaders, you know, whether we're often just sitting and, you know, listening to culture and waiting for what to say and how to say it. And I'm actually in the process of writing a book about that topic because I think that the real secret to any creative career is doing side projects outside of your client work because those side projects really are your passion projects which 
ideally become your main thing, which is the main good you bring to the world. And oftentimes those are the things, the goods that we look at as leadership, you know, the new ideas and that, that shifts culture that people follow because it was so groundbreaking or new or whatever. And so, I don't know, I just think we're, we're always listening and chasing those quiet whispers of ideas. What, what's happened this year that's kind of, because I mean, this has been a mo- momentous time for everybody. What, what, what has kind of grabbed your attention throughout this year? Gosh, it's it's hard. I feel like there will be need. You know, the previous nine years could be summed up in probably one history book, and then twenty twenty will need ten history books to to cover it. You know, um, I mean, for me this year, like most artists, was really really hard because um, I, I make a living as a public speaker as well. So obviously, all speaking went away. Uh, a few virtual gigs, all photo shoots, pretty much went away. For the most part, and um, and so yeah, it was a crazy moment. I f- in the beginning, I got really inspired. Um, I launched uh, an idea on how to do virtual portraits in my own unique way, and I ended up doing literally twelve hundred photo shoots in like six weeks um, wow. in thirty nine countries uh, in all fifty American states, and so. I went. I went off in in April and May, and uh, just met and photographed people all over the world. It was crazy. Um, then I got burned out and literally couldn't do it again. I was like, okay, that was that. Yeah, that idea was born and you know sent off into the sea, I guess. Um, and so uh, then I was like, okay, now what? And so I think I spent the summer doing a lot of painting and fun art uh, just because I needed to. And yeah, it's just been a lot of searching and trying to pivot and figure it out. I think August and September were my darkest months where I just was like creatively dead and uh, not motivated, not driven, not anything, which is rare for me because I'm usually pretty, um, you know, driven and usually have a lot of ideas, but I just went brain dead there for a couple of months. And then uh, October was busy with uh, photo shoots as people started coming out a little more before it hit again. Um, And then November and December have been this crazy surge of probably my most um, prolific and productive just surge of fresh ideas that I couldn't be more excited going into 2021. Can you just talk us through your creative process? To what extent you've kind of articulated it to yourself or surfaced it in yourself? How how do ideas come to you and what, what do they mean? What's the process? That's what the new book is about. I'm writing about the process. It's seven steps. Um, so ideas in terms of where they come from, uh, it's always so random. I mean, so random. Like they can just, it, it usually is though in the ideas of doing nothing, you know, not looking at a screen, uh, driving, uh, trying to go to sleep at night, standing in the shower, mowing the lawn, any, any times where you can't engage in anything you know i feel like that's when usually the ideas start clicking i've also found that when i read books like i'm I'm a slow reader because i'm having so many ideas as i read that i have to stop and write them down um so then i document literally every single thought i have to stop and like type it out on my phone to like get it down or else it's just gone um but the seven steps to bringing a project or an idea to life is, and I'll mention them quickly. Um, step one, if, if someone doesn't have an idea, but they want to do a project, they want to like 
kind of start the process of finding themselves. I'm like, well, let's choose a topic to start with. And so that can be done a number of ways. Like, what are you passionate about? What's go look at what's trending on, on Twitter or TikTok or wherever, you know, f- figure out where culture is. Um, think about what your favorite causes are, your events happening in the world. Like, where's your heart, you know? And then step two is like, start brainstorming concepts around that topic. Like, could you write a poem? Could you make a film? Could you do a photo project? Could you write a song? Like whatever it is, like think about what you can bring to that topic. And then um, number three, step three gets into vision. Like how, how is it going to be different? How is it going to matter? Why, why will people care? Like vision is such a big deal that so many people just move right past. Um, Step four is the moment where you're like, all right, I've got the idea, got the vision. Now I need to go verify from those that I trust, my spouse or my friends or industry colleagues. And you ask them, like, is this a good idea? Should I do it? Should I move forward? And it's important that those people are very honest with you, like my wife is. Ah, They'll tell you (laughs) straight up if the idea sucks, you know. And then step five, it gets into planning and pre-production, figuring out your cast your crew your talent your budget your timing all that stuff step seven is the ex- oh, six is the execution doing it and doing it at a very high quality um which is a deep dive into quality and branding and design and logo and all that stuff and you know if you get step six and shoot it with an iphone and slap an instagram filter on it it's probably not going to do very well so <laughs> you know there is a lot to be said about the quality of the product or the idea um and then step seven is a deep dive into launching social media, email lists, publicists, you know, whatever it may be. There's all kinds of different strategies in launching. So, and I came up with that process because as I look back on all my projects, those are the steps that I went through. So I was like, oh, this is kind of a good, good way to break it down. One of the most inspiring ideas that you've had that I'm, I'm aware of is the Purpose Hotel. Can you tell us about the genesis of that idea and where we are in that process? Yeah. Um, gosh, what a journey. Uh, so I was on a photo shoot in Los Angeles in 2012 and I was walking through a hotel, uh, on my way to a meeting. Um, we were meeting in one of the hotel rooms with the crew. And as I walked down the hallway, I was like, man, it'd be cool if every one of these rooms like had a story attached to it. Like the lonely traveler felt more connected to the story. And then immediately I was like, oh my gosh, it'd be awesome if it was like a compassion child where you realize that the room was sponsoring the child and giving a certain amount of money to that child through compassion every night. And, um, and then, uh, and then as I got to my door, I was like, oh, the room keys could connect to the giving keys and tell their story. And then um, as soon as I opened the door, like the rest hit me immediately. It's like, oh, the coffee could, you know, come from nonprofits. The internet fee could fight human trafficking, the blankets, the soaps, the shampoos, the art, you know. It's like, wow, this is, it was just like all a continual thought all over the course of like two minutes, you know, because the name hit me, uh, the Purpose Hotel hit me. The, even the tagline hit me in that moment and changed the world in your sleep. I mean, it was just like this 
brain wow. dump from, from God of just like, here it is. Here's the entire vision. And uh, I was just literally just stunned. And I even told the guys right away in that meeting, I was like, y'all, I just had a freaking huge idea. And this was in 2012. So, you know, social good and these these pr- businesses giving back wasn't really a thing like it is now. Now that this thinking is normal. But in 2012, I mean, Tom's Shoes existed, but there wasn't much else in terms of um, businesses giving back and doing good from, from a very public standpoint. And so it was a pretty wild idea in that moment. And uh, I shared it with the guys, and they were like, that's amazing. But we have a photo shoot to do. You know, so we were get back to business. But then that night I came home and told my wife who, you know, she just started like weeping, like crying. And uh uh, that's why I love her because she's honest when it's amazing. She's honest when it's not amazing, you know? Mm. And so she started weeping and she was like, this, this is the one, like this, this is the idea that you have to pursue. And so, um, I knew it was a good one. And then, I, I did actually pursue it right away with a guy in LA, but I found out very quickly, he was just not a good partner. And so then I jumped ship and for three years just said like, okay, that one is too big. I can't just go and build a, you know, multi-million dollar uh, building. Um, and so I just kind of gave up to fear and surrendered. And and then it wasn't until 2015 that we picked back up and started moving forward with it. I think that's when I first heard about it. And you, and I think you, I don't know if it's for public consumption yet, but I think I saw a tweet from you recently where you said some good news around the Purpose Hotel recently. Can you share a bit about that? Yeah, I can share a little bit. Yeah, basically, you would, I mean, COVID really did like decimate the hotel industry for obvious reasons. And I've heard that the hotel industry won't really recover fully until 2026. Mm-hmm. And so you would think that um, we were done for. Um, but a number of reasons uh, that it's good timing for us. Uh, Nashville is still a hot market. Nashville is a drive-to market. Um, people don't have to fly as much. Our story now matters more than ever. And then our investors and bankers have been telling us, like, everybody's going to be looking for, like, what is the new thing after COVID? Like, what's the next hot whatever? Oh, and then the economy will recover. It's not if, it's, it's when, uh, because it always has. I mean, we've been through many economic downturns and recessions before and even pandemic. So yeah, we, we know there will be a, a return to, to market and hotels will, will thrive again eventually. And so um, anyway, so yeah, we just, we've suddenly had this amazing month of investors um, coming on board and um, just like all systems go on the land and the architects and like everything is just, it felt like it was docked, mm. you know, for, for this whole year, if not part of last year. And now suddenly like we're, we're cruising, you know, we're back out on sea and moving forward and uh, I'm, I couldn't be more excited. That's fantastic. Hi folks, Phil Kirby here, producer of the show. If you're enjoying the evolving leader and would like to stay connected with us between episodes, follow us on Twitter at evolving underscore leader. And please be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening. So you're, you're especially gifted at coming up with ideas, and thank you for, for sharing your, your process. And I was really resonating with when you said, when I'm not you know, allowing myself to be distracted with screens or whatnot, like I'm in the shower, ideas come, you know, the brain kind of frees up 
to 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 kind of come up with these ideas. But some people might be listening to this kind of going, "I take showers every day, and I never get a big idea." So I'm curious from from your perspective, what mindset do leaders across the world need to adopt for coming up with bigger and better ideas, and and perhaps especially big transformative purposeful ideas to bring to life that benefit us all in ways that the Purpose Hotel can. Yeah, I'm actually reading a book right now by Elizabeth Gilbert, uh, Big Magic. I know it's been a hit for a long time, but I'm just now getting around to reading it. And I love the way she describes ideas. She's like, they're like these little, for lack of a better word, spirits floating around uh, waiting for a human to partner with to make them happen. If that human passes, they move on till they find the human, you know, and uh, it's a fun thought because I, I do find that it's that it's true. When it, when an idea hits a lot of people, the thought is a lot of things. The thought is, I'm too old, I'm too broke, I don't have a platform, nobody's going to care, it's a bad idea, I can't afford it, it's a bad timing, you know, there's all these reasons we immediately shoo it away. Like just, we just, no, um, can't can't do it. And so I think, when we start to say yes and start to try things that, that, you know, the spirits come to us more. Uh, we, again, the word spirits is, is, is a weird analogy, but it's like if you say no to idea one, you'll probably be saying no to idea hundred because you said a no to idea one. Like you have to just start doing, you have to exercise. I mean, it really is like working out, like just start exercising those muscles because I wasn't like this. 20 years ago, I wasn't having ideas all the time, but because I just keep doing them over and over, um, I have more. And I read a quote the other day by a guy named Jack Butcher that I'm obsessed with right now. Um, he calls it the loop. He said, um, so the more you execute, the more you fail. The more you fail, the less you care. The less you care, the more you execute. <laughs> and I love and I love that because it's so true because people have often asked me, like, how do you do so much? And you do have to get to a point where you really don't care about the outcome or the success or whatever. You're just doing it. And so um, I look at ideas kind of like a musician putting in an album. Each project is an album. And some may fail, some may blow up, but I keep putting out records, you know, um, and that's the course of you know being an artist and and having your career in the arts and i think a lot of people if they just do that first album and put it out there you know um they'll have a little more confidence in doing the second one to just walk us through a little bit around the fear or emotions that you might experience in in you know those creative decisions because you're exposing yourself every time you put your work out there where, where did you get to the point where you started to care less about you know you've talked about this loop what, what, what was the interior kind of uh, experience like of, of facing the exposure and the risk and, you know, all the, the kind of emotions that are associated with putting yourself out there? Yeah, I mean, I still, um, I still have them. I mean, fear never goes away, insecurity and doubt, all that stuff never goes anywhere. Um, but even as a kid, I was drawn to like that moment of walking into the haunted house first or climbing going up to the top of the tree on the ropes course and doing it first or jumping off the cliff into the water first. I've always been drawn to this moment of just like letting go and in jumping into fear. And um, not, I'm not pointing out that I'm brave. It's just as an adult, I had 
sudden memories of like, well, I was, I've always been this, this way, wired to go first, wired to try it. Um, and I don't know why, um, but I really do feel like the, the same intuition goes into business and entrepreneurship. Like you just got to, and I, but I, over time, now that I'm 43, you know, realize that people admire the attempt either way, whether you're successful or a failure. And so not that I'm doing it for admiration, but you know, in the beginning, beginning, you do worry about the, are people going to think I'm an idiot? Are people going to think this is crazy? But over time, it's like, you just realize that there's there. And, and not only that, but you learn so much through the failures. I spent four years developing an iPhone app. Um, it was an extreme success upon launch, um, but it, you know, ended up dying a slow death with the rest of them. And um, that's four years of my life and just countless thousands of hours of work. And, um, you know, it failed. Uh, and I'm not for one second regretful about that. It, uh, it informed so much of what I do now in the hotel. And the first purpose hotel Kickstarter failed too. <laughs> And now you talk about a public failure. I mean, that's when you've like tried to rally every single human you know on the internet and your followers and your followers' followers and people fam- that are famous that you know, and you've really tried to leverage everything you can. And then it fails. I mean, we didn't even hit 50% of our fundraising goal, but it massively succeeded in people being passionate about it. I mean, the word spread, it went viral, it was featured all over the internet. And so we relaunched the Kickstarter immediately with a lower goal, much more realistic goal, and it succeeded. So that still kept us moving forward. And um, I've, I've heard countless comments over the years like, man, that was so cool. And y'all just immediately redid it and, uh, you know, hit your goal. And so, I don't know, and just, just kind of keep going. <laughs> Who's had the biggest impact on your life? as an artist? Um, I would say um, my parents have, I mean, I wrote a whole book called Impossible that was really the story of my dad just always encouraging me um, and my mom, of course, too, about the verse Philippians 4.13. Like that was my dad's mantra that he would just repeat all the time because I would always be saying, I can't do this. And, you know, didn't make good grades, and um, so I can't do this was like my, my go-to. But outside of my parents, um, there was a really early influence, uh, this guy named Jimmy Abeg, who's still a good friend. I was a huge fan of Jimmy, uh, like literally like fanboy. Uh, he's a painter and musician, and I met him once at a coffee shop, and I was like, dude, you're a rock star, and I'm a big fan, and he was so sweet, and uh, He's like, send me work. I'd love to see it. And so I sent him a bunch of stuff and he, he liked it. And we just struck up a friendship. And But he was, he told me really two of the most important things and then introduced me to one of the most important people. He was the first one to ever tell me, you should quit your job tomorrow and start working for yourself. Um, I was working for an ad agency at that time. And I did. I literally quit my job the next day because <laughs> I knew he was right. Um and that was the beginning of 20 plus years now of working for myself. Um, he, and then a little while later, he was the first one to say, you should buy this new thing called a digital camera, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, started my whole photography career. Um, then I actually just realized this last week. Not, I mean, he's already this massive 
character in my life, but I realized that he introduced me to a guy who introduced me to another guy that is now my business partner and manager of 16 years now. Uh, And so my partner on the Purpose Hotel, who really gets the credit for building the Purpose Hotel, like that also came through Jimmy. And so this, uh, this early influence just really to change my, my whole, my whole journey. What are, what are the, the things that are most exciting you um, from an artistic perspective? What's influencing you in, in the future? What are you, what are you getting excited about? Yeah. Um, part of this, the seven steps I just told you all about, um, I'm realizing that it can apply to anything and everything. So that's now become my own podcast that I'm launching. It's becoming a monthly membership uh, website that we're in the midst of launching. It's going to be a book that I'm writing. It's uh, But I'm realizing it all ties perfectly into the Purpose Hotel because we call the hotel a celebration of humanity. And what better way to celebrate a human than to celebrate the work that they make, their goods, you know. And so I'm calling these personal projects. I started thinking about like, a society, a village, makers, artisans, goods, you know, services, and I got stuck on the word goods. And it's like, that's essentially what I'm asking people to make is like a good a thing. And then I'm like, oh, and by making a good, you're bringing good into the world. And so I landed on this, this title of what's your good for both the book and the podcast that would be pointing people to the society where they can have a family and people going through the stone steps with them. So, and it's crazy because my, the past 20 years I've spent bringing side projects to the world. And now it's this weird thing of like this, this kind of crazy epiphany over the last month of realizing like every, all these past 20 years are, were all for reason. They all point to right now. Cause even in the failure of okay, do this and the failure of so many other projects, um, those are now case studies, case studies in the seven steps. Like, oh, that project failed because the quality wasn't there. That, fu- that product failed because the launch, we, we had a horrible launch and could have done that a lot better. And so everything is now making sense in my own little process. And it's all now you being used as stories and case studies to share, to help people walk, walk through their own projects. And so, um, and then realizing that all ties perfectly into the Purpose Hotel, like it's just crazy how everything suddenly is making sense in my world, especially after August and September where nothing, you know, was happening and um, there was no momentum on the hotel. It just was stalled. And so, yeah, it's cool to to be having all, the, all these realizations. Mm, I love that. So with all your many, many things you're up to, how, how are you investing in yourself and your well-being and your your own health we're, we're big proponents of making sure that that as leaders we take care of ourselves you know mind body all of it right so what do you, what do you do to to stay grounded healthy man yeah that's another big uh topic yeah so i have a brain disease called friedrich's ataxia i was diagnosed two two years ago it really affects my mobility my walking balance my strength um coordination and so I'm actually standing on a treadmill as we speak right now. I like to walk as I work. Um, but back in May of this year, I'm, I felt like I was dying. I mean, I felt just horrible because I wasn't exercising, wasn't eating well. Um, it was just a mess. And, uh, 
And so I made a decision in probably June, like I can't, I literally can't do this. Like if I did this, I'm, it's a downward sprawl from here. Um, and death always feels real close anyway. I lost my brother five years ago. He was my age now, 43. And I lost my mom this summer. And with COVID and so many people getting sick and even dying, like it just feels like, man, I've got two two very simple choices, work your ass off and be healthy or just decline. And uh, so as of, you know, ever since June, I mean, I've done an amazing job of um, working out uh, several times a week. I go to D1, which is like a CrossFit. Um, and then I've stayed away from gluten and dairy ever since then. And um, yeah, just so I eat clean and I exercise and I read a lot. And um, so I feel like I'm even though my symptoms still exist, I feel like I'm healthier than I've ever been, which does feed into uh, everything else we've been talking about. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. yeah I still walk like a drunk. So if you see me stumbling, <laughs> if you see me stumbling around, you'll know why. <laughs> you were giving advice to a, a young artist or a young creative person who's at the start of their their career they've just left school or college what kind of things would you would you talk to them about um i would tell them to to be a doer you know just like just do stuff put stuff into the world you know do projects that are outside of just trying to land client work i mean that was literally literally my path of being a 21 year old is always just just making things uh, for no money, no budget, but that's how I got started. And um, it's interesting, we were recently in a, a counseling session. We have a difficult son, um, and we were meeting with this counselor, and we were describing my son and how he's not making good grades and, you know, or how he doesn't make good grades and all the challenges. And as I, re I realized as I was describing my son, I was like, I'm also essentially describing myself at that age. I mean, I wasn't a behavioral problem but I was an academic problem according to myself and I just didn't make great grades and was ADD and you know a bit aloof and always daydreaming and um and I literally asked the council I was like how did how did I make it how did I become who I am and uh, his answer was really really um amazing and spot on and I wish I could have like heard or like recorded it because I can't remember his exact words but essentially he said well first of all I was like you found a thing in my case it was art drawing for you know whatever at the time you're brave enough to put it out into the world and get feedback and he's like once you got that positive feedback pouring in you were off to the races you know and I feel like it's it's that for everybody. Like when you're at that age, young, just be brave enough to start putting your good into the world. And um, chances are good that you will, you know, be also be off to the races. And how did, how did you deal with the setbacks that, that you inevitably have when you do that? Um, yeah, I mean, I got fired from my very first ad agency job that was a big deal, you know, um, my boss literally told me I wasn't creative enough and that I should be go be a youth pastor. <laughs> uh, and I, I took that as like extreme motivation. I was just like, okay, I'll show you, you know. Um, 
my one of my childhood heroes was Michael Jordan, and uh, you know Jordan not making his sophomore basketball team was always a fun story to, because I get that when somebody tells you you can't do something, it's maybe the best thing for you is to to prove them wrong. And so I think that was a early motivation for me to be like, all right, <laughs> I got this, you know. But yeah, I don't. I guess I was always uh, I didn't I didn't care too much about what people thought, and I just like all right, I'll just try the next thing. I want to pick up again on this idea of putting your good in the world. Cause that's the thing, one of the many things, but that's one of the things that strikes me when I, when I listen to your stories of, of your ideas is that they're so focused on the good that you can put in the world. They're focused on the other. I don't hear your ideas. I'm standing in the shower and I'm thinking of ways to, you know, become more, uh, you know, have more notoriety in the photography space or to, you know, get another accolade. You're, you're thinking about things like the Purpose Hotel and about Help Portrait and about these things. And whether uh, somebody listening is a creative or not, I think that kind of mindset can translate um, to every sphere of life. Um, what, what might you say, uh, you know, it kind of comes back to another mindset question, I guess. How would you encourage, you know, young leaders that are just sort of starting out to, to how to focus towards the good, like creating good in society? Like, is that an intentional mindset for you or is it just happen naturally? Is it, is it being open? Is it, it, how is it in terms of prioritization? There's a lot in there, but I'm trying to get at how do we advise young leaders? When I talk about, um, the goods and the projects and the side project, it really, there really are two basic categories, which is, food for the soul, food for the table. You know, are you, are you trying to make money? Or are you trying to do something to help somebody or help yourself? Like there's, there's two, and they can be both too, which some of my projects have been. Um, but rarely am I thinking about the wallet or the notoriety or the, you know, platform. I think the only project I've really done was an educational platform I launched a few years ago. It's strictly to like make money. And uh, thankfully it did um, a lot, but I realized Step two, when I talked about bringing the concept to the table, make sure you're passionate about it. Because if you're not passionate, you'll flame out. Anyway, I was not passionate about that project, which was good to figure out because I realized I wasn't motivated, motivated by money. I should be, but I'm just not. Um, anyway, and so, man, I just followed the ideas, truly. Um, just listening for those ideas. Like when I was in church in 2000. 15 i just had the words drones and a mattress hit me like out of nowhere uh never used a drone i didn't even own a drone um it's like drones and a mattress and i realized that like by using a drone from 300 feet up to show a white mattress in the midst of rubble with the homeowner laying on it it would provide this visual stark contrast and and so I followed that idea and i ran with it and assembled a crew and a team next thing i know i'm in gallenberg learning how to shoot with the drone um, and, you know, followed that all the way through. And the next thing I know it, that project was on Time Magazine being promoted to tens of millions of people to help raise money for those people to rebuild. Um, but, you know, back in the, in the sitting in church, obviously there was literally no thought of, there wasn't even the thought of, I want to help in Gatlinburg. It was just drones on a mattress. I was like, all right, so, so I just go with it, follow the idea, and again, that that has only that only happens more and more over time. Like 
those those specific thoughts and ideas and visions like you just they happen more and more i've learned over 20 years like it didn't used to be this frequent um but i just keep trying to to follow them and be a good steward so jeremy thank you for for coming on this has been really really insightful inspiring as i knew it would be i really appreciate your time of course man thank you all thank you so until next time Be sure to follow Jeremy for all updates on the Purpose Hotel, where we all can get involved and help change the world in our sleep.